This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Philadelphia's Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. A closer look. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the summer edition of Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martoreno. Uh, we're, we're here. We're talking about behavioral health in the broadest possible sense of that, with a particular emphasis, obviously, on uh, drug and ho- alcohol, uh, substance abuse matters, and the treatment of them. The whole shoot and match, sponsored by Retreat Behavioral Health. We will have more about them specifically straight ahead. But... Um, it is interesting that it's summer because we're going to be talking about at least one aspect of the topic today that should get you outdoors, uh, and that has to do with gardening. Because as it turns out, either this week or last week was International Gardening uh, Day and Week. There's a, there's an inter- international day or week for everything, apparently. But gardening gave us the idea to take a look at the broader issue of holistic approaches to the issues that I've just described uh, regarding behavioral health. And uh, we, we couldn't find a, a better person to take us by the hand and lead us down this uh, this path than our guest, frequent, longtime contributor to the program, frequent contributor Kate Ramsey joins us again. Kate is a clinical supervisor at Retreat Behavioral Health, and she's a licensed therapist with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and a friend of the show. Hi, Kate. Hello, Steve. It is really always lovely to come back and visit you. Well, it's so good to see you again because we saw a lot of you initially and then you suddenly decided to get busy and we, we, we got to come get you every now and then. So thanks for coming in. We So yeah, we want to talk about, we, we were going to talk about uh, certain aspects of gardening and how that's actually mm-hmm. therapeutic. And it, it as we you and I talked, or texts, it, it became apparent that we had a bigger issue here, and it has to do with holistic techniques. Ho- holistic medicine or holistic theories or holistic techniques, that's one of those words that get thrown around a whole lot. So I want to begin where I, I usually try to begin, and that is with first first things. And so when we talk about holistic medicine or techniques, what are we talking about? I think it's very the simplest definition. Holistic addresses mind, body, spirit in total. So when we're talking about holistic therapies, we're recognizing that human beings are very complex. And sitting across from a desk with a therapist asking you how you feel today is not the only way nor oftentimes the best way to help someone who's struggling with either mental health, addiction issues, any of these things to really get to the core of what's happening. So we have created, or I shouldn't say created because these have been around, as you said earlier, when we were talking before the show, since the dawn of time, we have taken in different forms of the arts and other kinds of of a whole, what we now call holistic therapies to help people get in touch with the issues that are bothering them and help them to heal from them. So when we're talking holistic therapies, we're talking, yes, talk therapy is one of those. Group therapy is a second. But then you're looking at art therapy, you're looking at music therapy, you're looking at gardening, you're looking at spiritual therapies, so that uh, you can go into the same issues from all different perspectives. Um, And what this allows the patient to do is kind of be startled into discoveries for themselves, that if we just ask them, how are you feeling today? Well, 
they're going to give whatever answer they've given the thousand other times someone's asked them that. Whereas if we bring them out to the horse barn and we bring a horse up for them to lead across the stable and the horse starts bucking and kicking, I don't have to ask that person how they're feeling. I now know that the horse is responding to tension, anxiety, and anger off of this person, and they're trying to get away. So I don't ever have to ask the question. Now I can jump right into the therapy. Listen, this is what I'm seeing. So now let's go into what's going on. We've we've done uh, one or two programs on the equine uh, mm-hmm. program here and other places, and you know we do these things for for two reasons. One, to find out more about something we didn't know anything about, and that's equine therapy. But also to kind of de not de well, I guess destigmatize is, is the word. It's interesting as as we were talking about. These are very old techniques. Yeah. Before we got too smart for our own good and decided science could answer everything, this was holistic notions were. There was no other way to treat somebody who was in crisis, right? Exactly, because when you think talk therapy only came around with Freud in the early 1900s. Before that, people did whatever they could to feel better. And we know this just as individuals on the planet. We may go out dancing to feel better. We may listen to music to feel better. We may play with our animals to feel better. We may go draw a picture or plant a garden to feel better. We instinctively know to do these things. Children know to do these things when they're down. What happens is, when I bring up children, somewhere along the line, typically between kindergarten and second or third grade, they are told they are not good at these things. So now something that was used as a way to feel better and cope with the world is given a value judgment. And if you're not quote unquote good at it, you don't deserve to do it anymore. Isn't it also true that the, those, those techniques you're talking about, those playful and holistic activities are uh, given a second or third ranking in importance? Look, okay, I know you are happy and hole in the sandbox, but you need to know your times tables and you need to know how to spell. And we could do a whole other program on, I've been doing some research on this, um, on on non-educating non-schools. There's a movement in non-schools where basically... I went to a non-school. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Which worked out because I was a non-student. I'm sorry. (laughs) But what it is, it's it's very much like Montessori, if you've ever heard Mm of that, where children are brought into a, a large space with many rooms. They're supervised. There are professionals there. But they choose, I want to play with this. I want to do this. I want to make music right now. I want to do this. And they choose what helps them to learn the best. We've gotten away from that, which, yeah, has resulted in some of our mental health yes, issues absolutely. today. Yes, absolutely. So, so in, in, this, uh, in this notion uh, of moving away from these very old uh, time-honored techniques for wellness, we have put more pressure on the population at a younger age, and, and now we see an epidemic of young people with tremendous issues of anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts. You know, it's, it's astonishing for you to bring that up because I just left a two-hour meeting with my son and his guidance counselor, my husband, because he has been struggling with suicidal thoughts. He's a senior. He's going into his um, final week of school. And we had to spend an evening at the hospital getting him assessed. And at both the hospital and in speaking with this guidance counselor, both places we were told, this is very common for students nowadays. And I was shocked because it doesn't make it any less harmful. 
But we're looking at so many kids who are struggling with this that nobody bats an eye when we say, hey, my kid's going through this. They're like, oh, yeah, of course he is. I wasn't prepared to talk about this, but thanks for bringing it up. It's, it is a shocking notion. Did, he, did your son share this with you? How did you find out he was he having did. these thoughts? I have been, and my husband, we've been very fortunate uh, in that our children really communicate with us. And I think that they, my son shared this. He's been under a lot of stress with finals, with AP tests, with colleges. And I knew the questions to ask because I'm a counselor. Right, but right. anybody can ask him. If you're worried, you say, are you having thoughts of hurting yourself? And then the next question is, do you have any plans? And the third question is, what do you see yourself doing tomorrow? What's, what's going on for the rest of the week? The first one ascertains that they're in trouble. The second one, when you say, do you have any plans? They may say, no, I've just been feeling down. My son had three very specific ideas. That is puts it at a much higher level of risk. That's why we went and we called the clinical hotline, 1-800-SUICIDE, and we were recommended to go in to get him evaluated. And then the third question is, what do you see for the rest of the week? If the person says nothing, they really aren't going any farther. If they say, well, I got to go to school tomorrow, I got to deal with this, it means that they are still future thinking. Mm -hmm. And that means that they're not as at risk as someone who goes, I don't see anything. Well, I mean, uh, thank God he you have that communication line open because you're, I mean, you're, you're right, you're a professional. And uh, one would have thought, you know, how could this happen? Um, it can happen to anybody. It's happening more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And again, you're right. As long as at the end of the day, your kid is willing to just one point mm -hmm. talk to you maybe mm -hmm. you can get to where you can do some help and i know that Good with luck. the families thank you and i know that with the families who struggle with loved ones who have mental health issues or substance use disorders it is very scary all the time am i going to lose my child and since we're here i want to say do not be afraid to ask these questions it's not going to put it in somebody's head do not be afraid to ask are you thinking of hurting or killing yourself? Do you have plans? And I know we kind of got off, but it's important. No, no, no. It is it's very it's extraordinarily important. And in fact, it's not that far off the topic. The, the, this topic, the notion of holistic therapies, ha has to do with treating the whole person. And yeah. certainly the person's – I mean the – the major the major yeah. problems may be in your head anyway. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, good luck and. Uh, uh, well, and I think, I as you said, it, it can be in your head. What's been really interesting in the last forty eight hours is that just communicating it and having the troops rally around him, he's at a totally different place in two days than he was before. So communication, sure. and this is where when we're talking holistic therapies. Hey, let's let's go get some exercise in the woods. Let's go listen to some music together. Tell me, pick out a song that shows how you're feeling today. There's a lot we can do. Yeah, I know this. And, and again, what we among among the things I'd like to accomplish with this topic about holistic uh, techniques and, and gardening a little later is to take this from the uh, silly, which people think the mundane, cliched, and and give it a real world um, application. Application yeah. and and uh, you know. Suic thoughts of suicide are 
that's a pretty isolating and dark place. If you're there, mm-hmm. you know, you're as far away from a garden as you can be. So getting back to that garden is not such a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for sharing that with us. Of course. Uh, Kate Ramsey is uh, with us. Kate is a clinical supervisor at Retreat Behavioral Health. We're talking about the, the various uh, holistic techniques that ca- can be brought to bear when talking about problems like this. This is Recovery Radio. We have more with Kate. Stay with us. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Martorano with you. Kate Ramsey as well. Kate's a pal, friend of the show. She's been on many times in her role as a clinical supervisor here at Retreat Behavioral Health. And uh, she's also licensed by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania as a therapist. She's uh, She's got a great background in drama. If we have enough time, we'll get, we'll get to that. Um, but we're talking about holistic uh, approaches to treating substance abuse issues and uh, mental health issues in general. Uh, Kate, let's talk, we, let's talk a little bit about the uh, techniques and approach. Can you give us a couple of different examples of how a different uh, holistic technique would work? Absolutely. So when we're talking holistics, again, it can be art, it can be music, it can be um, rec, meaning kind of sporty events, it can be equine therapy, it can be drama. It's all these different sorts of techniques that allow people to make realizations in a therapeutic way. The difference between art therapy and arts and crafts is arts and crafts can be therapeutic. We all, like many people, love to do scrapbooking, love to knit and crochet because it feels good and you have something you've created at the end. It's therapeutic. It is not therapy. Therapy is when a licensed therapist who has been trained at a master's level and then gone through all the hoops to get licensure presents different what we call interventions. They're activities with a specific uh purpose behind them. I, I know you have a great story to illustrate the difference between arts and arts and crafts and th- therapeutic mm-hmm. uh, um, techniques. But before we go further, if so- someone should know very clearly if they're looking for help and a facility to provide it, they can see a list, of, a, a menu of stuff that's provided, but they should know that, okay, so you've got art therapy. Is it handled by an, a, a licensed therapist, correct? Absolutely, because we, I could put out a pamphlet today saying Kate Ramsey's School of Mental Health and Drug Addiction, and I could say we provide art and music, and I could call it therapy, art therapy, music therapy, equine therapy, and it's just me bringing out a box of paints, putting on a radio, and having a horse out back that you can pet. It's not therapy. It could be helpful. I'm not saying it's not helpful, but it is not therapy. Therapy, you want to look for people who are licensed in their specialty. So they are licensed. For example, we have a licensed art therapist. We have a licensed music therapist. We have a licensed equine therapist. They are not only very good at what they do, but they do it on a clinical level, which is a whole different level. So they, so the, while it, it would appear to be the same behavior, mm-hmm. let's take the paints and crayons and do this. But something else happens as a result. Right. So, so you, ha- you have a great story that illustrates this. So I uh, supervise our art therapist. And as part of that, I like to go sit in on different groups just to see where everybody's at. And I went into a group one day that our art therapist was working with that was 
a group of young men who are probably uh, experiencing some of the greatest struggles a person can with substance use disorders. Um, these are young men who had been dealing with heroin use for years uh, to a level that had brought them in and out of prison, in and out of jail, a lot of legal issues. Um, these are young men who have not really had any kind of hope or happiness in a long time and feel like I've been in this so long, I'm never going to get out. And these are also young men who don't like to talk. I mean, if you assume that the average American male doesn't like to talk about their feelings, you can imagine how little these young gentlemen like to talk about their feelings. And so she brought them in and they're all like dead quiet. And there's about eight of them. They're not saying anything. And she hands out a story on a sheet of paper. And she says, let's take turns reading it. So the first one starts and they go around. And the story is of a young man who says, look, I have the most beautiful heart in the world. And he shows his heart and it's all shiny and perfect and, and absolutely beautiful. And, and then this old man says, no, I have the most beautiful heart in the world. And he shows his heart and it's scarred and it's battered and it's got bruises and marks. And the young man says, how could that possibly be the most beautiful heart? And then the story ends with the older man saying, because it shows where I've been in my life. That's it. They read this story. She says nothing but then points to these art supplies on the table. Pile of newspaper, masking tape, magic markers, paints. And she says, okay, I want you guys to make your hearts. You can clump the newspaper any way you want, wrap tape around it to hold it in place, and then you can use the markers and the paints to color it any way you want. And she does show an example. One person at some point had made a heart that looked very much like an anatomical heart. Another person had made one that looked like a tree. So she says, it can be anything, just make your heart. And for the next 45 minutes, these guys are so intently working on this. And that was fascinating just to watch the degree of attention and how they stopped paying attention to what do other people think I'm doing and got really engaged in what they were doing. So... At the end, she says, okay, now talk about your hearts. And this is where it was like a miracle for me to watch this. And I know that sounds huge, but I don't use those words lightly. Uh, because they started saying, this is my heart. It's blackened and it's misshapen because that's how I feel I am in my life. This is my heart. You can see that one side is still red and glowing, but the other side is rotted away. And here are these guys who in a million years, if I sat across from them as a licensed professional counselor and said, tell me how you feel about your heart, they would have said, F you lady, and walked out the door. Right. And now they are going into detail about their hearts. That's an incredible story. And for anyone who can't get their head around it, uh, consider this, because like most people, I go, really? But it seems to me that the less something, in terms of holistic techniques, the less it looks like therapy, the more likely that at least someone will be open to it. Does, is that working? Is that going on? I think that's really true because especially with people who've been in and out of therapy a lot, and when I say therapy, I'm talking about the classical, what we think of as therapy, which is talk therapy, sitting across a desk talking to somebody with a lot of letters after their name. This is doing things that they did as children. We all innately know how to make art. We know how to make music. We know how to dance. We learned. We didn't even learn this stuff. This is what we've done since the dawn of time in our caves. This is what we did as children until somebody told us, you're not good at that. 
and then we stopped and we lost these gifts. The holistic therapies bring them back and it not only gets them away from thinking that someone's watching me and assessing me, but they're now focused not on themselves, but on what they're creating. On the idea. The piece of art, the piece of music, and they don't realize that in that process they are exposing themselves in a wonderful way, sharing their feelings, but it's not everybody staring at them, waiting for them to say how they feel. Yeah. It's outside of them. They're embodying it in the art or the music or whatever. It, it, it makes this concrete and real. Kate, Kate Ramsey is our guest. This is, this is great stuff. Uh, we're talking about holistic therapies. When we come back, we'll take a look at more of these techniques, um, particular emphasis on some gardening because, like I said, all you need is a little uh, you know, soil and uh, you can benefit from this. This is Recovery Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We'll return uh, with more holistic Theory and uh, practice with Kate Ramsey straight ahead. I want to remind you, as I do all the time, that the program Recovery Radio is sponsored by Retreat Behavioral Health. And I'm going to give you their phone number, and I say this all the time, too. Seriously, from the top of this organization down, nobody wants you to have to use this phone number. If, if, if you're lucky enough to get through life and not need uh, help... Uh, good for you, and you're blessed. But that's not often the case for a lot of people. And when these uh, uh, when these events occur of a mental health nature or a substance abuse nature, people are not ready for them. They don't know where to turn. Um, you, you'll get answers from the folks at Retreat. I'll give you the phone number. And again, anything you've heard here, any questions you have about anything going on in your life, you can get somebody who will talk to you at Retreat Behavioral Health, 855-859-8808. That's how you reach them. Um, and again... We hope you don't have to, but it could be a lifesaver. 855-859-8808 from Retreat's uh, Lancaster County uh, facility. Kate Ramsey is with us. Kate's been on the program many, many times. She's a clinical supervisor now. She oversees those areas that we are referring to today and are referred to, uh, in fact, as holistic techniques. They involve things like well, the first time I heard about the circle, the drum circle, mm-hmm. my reaction was sort of the same thing. Well, wait a minute, beating on drums. How goofy, cheesy. But what's interesting about them, and we're talking about these, these techniques and how they relate to people's wellness. But what's interesting about, let's use the drum thing for, for, an, for an example. Uh, if you asked any young child who shows an interest in music what instrument they'd like to play, nine times out of ten, they're going to say, boys anyway, are going to say drums <laughs> for the simple reason yeah. that they can bang on them. Yeah. It feels good it to do that. It feels good to do that. Why should that be a mystery in a clinical setting? Why, why should people go, oh, that's not going to work? I think because that's what we learn. As, as young children, we are just allowed to do whatever feels good, whether it's banging on pots and pans, which if, if you've ever had a kid, a toddler, you know they do that in the kitchen, um, or dancing to music. I was at an outdoor concert uh, yesterday, uh, this past weekend, and there was this young girl. She was maybe four, and she could not hold herself back and doing the most incredible, just moving and dancing to this jazz ensemble. It was it was unbelievable. And we do this as children. Think of all of the art that either you yourself have had put on a refrigerator when you were a kid or you have put on of your own children's. We express ourselves in so many ways. And then through school primarily, we learn a value judgment. And we're told you're not good at this or this person is good and you're not. And so 
we start to look at the holistic options, art, music, etc., as ways to make money, ways to be liked, uh, ways to be successful instead of what they were meant to be from the start, which is ways to express ourselves right. other than words. And, and, and more often than not, things we just abandon. Well, yeah. I'm no good at that. I'll, I'll move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've all, we've all, ex- we've all experienced that for sure. What's interesting, and I want to, I want to now get into the weeds, if I can, uh, <laughs> I can uh, stretch a metaphor here and talk about gardening because, because uh, as I read overnight a couple of things, th- there is a growing field of horticultural therapy, uh, that goes back again hundreds of years. Uh, uh, T- tell me, tell us a little bit. I mean, one of the things that strikes me about the, the benefit of something like gardening is that that's kind of less judgmental. I mean, if you grow, if you can grow some plants and they, and you know, and then pick them, what's the judge, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I do want to. We do not have a horticultural therapist here, but what we do have is. Um, our head chef and one of our assistant equine therapists and an incredible kitchen garden. It's huge. And what we will do is allow our patients to spend a couple hours in the garden. And then we can link what they've done there in either their small group therapy sessions or we also have um, a therapist who he's one of our holistic therapists and he has his master's in divinity studies as well as his master's in in mental health and he can make connections into the sort of spiritual nature of what gardening is and really when we look at gardening as a holistic that's what we're looking at is being able to participate in the birth and life cycle of something and watch this miracle that this tiny dried seed can bloom into all these cucumbers that our chef will then bring in and make a salad out of for everybody at lunch. And we realize I was part of that. I've just fed a room full of 200 people with things I grew from this tiny little pit. Other cultures have been better at uh, embracing this notion of uh, wellness or peace, serenity, with regard to their physical surroundings, I'm, th- I'm thinking of those little. You will see those little uh, serenity sandboxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, uh, the Eastern cultures are much more receptive to this. Yes, are I, they not? It makes me immediately think of bonsai trees, and people think bonsai trees are a specific type of tree. They are not. It's how you clip them and allow them to grow over vast periods of time. What we're looking at when we say something like bonsai gardening is you're taking something that takes hundreds of years to grow and you're you're working with it each day in ways that are infin- very, very small so that 100 years from now it will be shaped a certain way. And it's this longer view. Bonsai trees are passed down through generations so that you can have the bonsai tree that your grandfather started. Really? Yes, because it is this look at the that life is much bigger than just us and our short period of time on this earth. And and gardening is the same thing, this idea that I can plant a seed and what is hope if it's not planting a seed to grow into something beautiful? This is the physicalization of hope. 
is planting a seed and well, seeing it grow. That's a great way to look at it. Uh, uh, we're talking about these holistic techniques to um, behavioral health. The, gardening is something that you don't have to be in crisis nor go to a licensed therapist to get a benefit from. You can pretty much do this yourself, can't you? Absolutely. And I mean, I grew up, uh, my father is Italian and Italians, that's what they do. They garden, at least where I grew up. Um, and coming out here uh, to central Pennsylvania, I mean, the gardens out here, uh, the farms, it's huge. I think probably almost every one of your listeners here knows how planting and growing and reaping the rewards of what you plant makes the hard work worth it, makes the attention to these little plants worth it. And all we have to do is then go, how does this relate to me as a human being? A lot of the people I work with and a lot of the people on this planet struggle with caring for themselves. They don't, we don't understand how just a minute or two of taking care of myself each day makes me a better human being. We don't get it. But we understand that if I don't water this plant for five minutes every day out in the, you know, the vegetable garden, it will die. We understand that. So now bring it back. I need to take these skills I've learned as a gardener. And do this for myself. And I hope that's not too no, no, no. Out, out there. But you know what I'm saying. I Take am. those five minutes to care for myself because that's where the healing comes. Well, there's also a sense of, uh, of uh, not so much control but completion, um, satisfaction of a job well done. Even on the most mundane level, and trust me when I tell you, I'm, I'm the least gardeny guy in the world, um, but if a droopy plant – gets watered and <laughs> you see it pop back in an hour you go well that's that's good you know <laughs> i mean it's just that's good it didn't die it's good and that's the thing is that it also allows us to show people in again a very concrete way something can be dying something can be in bad soil it doesn't have any nutrients in it if i put nutrients in the soil if i give it water watch it bloom and grow this is true for every organic thing on the planet, including human beings. If it's drooping, if it's dying, but I give it nutrients, support, uh, the kind of watering that humans need, which is love, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I give it the things it needs to grow and flourish, it absolutely can. So nothing is hopeless. I mean, so the central, it seems like the, the thing that the holistic notions have all in common is this uh, attempt through the various different techniques to sort of re, there's a, there's a estrangement between our, our, our environment and, you know, our, our lives for all the reasons we've been talking about. And these techniques seek to bring that estrangement uh, eliminate it, bring it closer in harmony. Absolutely. Again, when you look at children, they know in just innately what they need. And over time, we get separated from these very basic impulses to all of these are about creation, to create, to create music, to create art, to create a bond with a creature, to create plant life. We want to create. We get separated from that and 
we lose our ability to grow mm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's very convenient, and I understand that there's ample evidence that it occurs to think that there's a magic bullet or a drug or a pill or or, or some you know medical scientific technique that can solve these problems. And, you know, there are in some cases. But but the stuff we've been talking about, these, these holistic um, um, techniques uh, are uh, available. They're there. They they're just have to be re, re, rediscovered in, in a yeah. sense. T- take a minute in this before we take another break here. Now, oh, and you know what? I'm going to save this to the other side because one of the things that I think, unless I'm wrong, that's sort of central to all of this notion of holistic techniques is this idea of mindfulness. This is another thing that we hear a lot of, and I don't think a lot of people really understand what that means. Kate Ramsey is uh, with us. We have uh, one more uh, one more segment with Kate. This is Recovery Radio. Please stick around. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We want to thank uh, Kate Ramsey. We, we always love having Kate with us. She is the clinical supervisor for Retreat Behavioral Health. She's uh, t- uh, to- told us uh, chapter and verse today on uh, many uh, many aspects of holistic techniques in uh, behavioral health treatment. Uh, uh, Kate, in, in this final segment, we, we now we should get a little scientific about this and take this is not magic. I mean, there, there's actual physical things going on here when holistic. Um, techniques work. We know that substance abuse and alcohol and drugs literally re- rearranges the way your, your brain chemistry or your brain works. It rearranges the wires um, in, in a terrible way. To what extent does holistic, uh, do holistic te- techniques change that? So this to me is one of the most exciting things about holistic techniques is because it works from different areas of the brain. We've all heard about right brain people and left brain people. Um, so when we're working with art, for example, we're looking at left brain, right? When we're looking at more sciencey stuff, we're looking at right brain. And I hope I got that right, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I did. Um, and when we're looking at holistic therapies, for example, music, okay? This is this opportunity, and this is what our therapist does, to start to strengthen the, the healthy wiring so that the brain can start to function in a healthy way again because something like music will actually work on both sides of the brain. And you remember probably from third grade music class learning to count four beats, one, two, three, four. That's math. And then the music part is what you do in those four beats. That's the art. So we actually, our music therapist works not only with our substance use disorder patients, but with our patients who have traumatic brain injury because music is a proven evidence-based technique for healing brain injury. So this can be anything from brain injury suffered because of a car crash to the stuff that happens to us just because we're getting old. Not that that's happening to me, of course. (laughs) But it can help keep the brain sharp. Um, Mindfulness is another technique. A lot of people hear mindfulness and immediately think of lots of people in India sitting cross-legged. All mindfulness is at its core is being able to sit with the thoughts in your brain and breathe. How does that help, you ask? Because over time, as you bring your focus back to breath, you can slow down your thoughts. 
the thoughts can come in a more orderly way. So when we're talking now about mental health issues, if you have someone who struggles with manic states in, in something like bipolar um, or anxiety, where they're constantly at this heightened, heightened state of fear, um, mindfulness retrains the brain to slow itself down and allow things to proceed at a speed that allows us to put the brakes on before things get out of our control. Uh, with regard to tre treating uh, people for whatever it is, substance abuse or, or mental health issues, nothing about holistic techniques precludes any other methods that might also come to bear, right? No, and this is why it's called holistic, because we, as, as I said at the beginning, we're looking at every aspect of a human being, and it is incredibly complex. So I have my talk therapy where I'm able to talk about things that I can access pretty quickly and are on my mind, literally my thoughts. Then I have uh, my art therapy where I can put into concrete form with clay, with masking tape and newspaper, I can create how I'm feeling outside of myself and show it to someone and without having to say a word, they can understand. Then I have music therapy, which literally strengthens wiring in my brain so I'm stronger on both sides of the brain. Then I have equine therapy, which allows me to make connections with something outside of myself, which is often lost. With most human beings, we often get so busy and so uh, overcome by our work week and this and that that we've lost the ability to make physical connection. It all works to create a whole picture of therapy. It's an ironic. It's an ironic moment. Maybe every age has said this, uh, but we are hyper connected. We think we are hyper connected. We think that we. Uh, are, uh, have at our fingertips a command of, of all kinds of information, and it's all isolating, and it's all shutting us off from these things that we've been talking about, the simpler and, uh, re I guess, more authentic things. Yes, and let's explore it, <laughs> because it is very easy to become completely isolated. I could live all by myself for the rest of my life in an ivory tower and have everything delivered to my door, have every need met without ever having to leave. <laughs> and, right? inst and Instagram. You'd be yes, fine. Yes, yeah. exactly. But there are also ways to connect that we now have that we didn't have before to connect in real life. So there are ways to meet up with people healthy ways mm -hmm. <laughs> um, where we can connect with people who are interested in uh, pottery and we can then go in real life and find these places. It's a lot easier to find places to connect. Um, there's also apps. They can be wonderful and terrible. There are apps that will remind you. I have my little Apple Watch, which I can't believe I own one, but it will remind me once an hour. It, it recognizes my pulse and it will tap. It does this little tap on my wrist and says, breathe. For the next minute, breathe. And I do this little breathing thing, and then I'm like, yay, I'm revitalized for the rest of the day. These are great resources. It's using it intelligently. Yeah. 
and getting the Kardashians out of the way for five minutes so, exactly. he, so that you can get to the real stuff. Kate, thanks so much. I know you wanted to leave people with one, one important message. Yes, I do want to leave uh, the suicide hotline. It is 1-800-SUICIDE, S-U-I-C-E-I-D-E. And I was at a workshop for suicide prevention, and one of the people leading it encouraged me and all of us, they, he said, right now, put this number in your phone, 1-800-SUICIDE. Mm. And guess what? Two days ago, I was awfully glad that I had that number in my phone, and my son's a lot better for it. Well, so, g- good luck with that. With that, I- I'm sure that's going to work out great for you. And thanks so much for your time. We always appreciate your time. Kate Ramsey. Uh, hey, guys, uh, thanks. Recovery Radio. Keep looking for us. Bye-bye. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.